0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, the 26th of September, 2020. Can you imagine what would be going through your head if you knew you were going to die tomorrow? I mean, if you knew that beyond the shadow of a doubt, and even you knew that the way you were going to die was going to be horrifying, and even before that you would be betrayed and abandoned by the people you loved, what would be going through your head? I mean, it's hard even to maybe even articulate that because I don't think anybody listening to this podcast has ever been in that position where you've known that you were going to die the next day because I otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if that was true. But we see what that was like in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see him the night before he knows he will be crucified. We see that he knows he will be betrayed. He knows he will be denied and he knows that he will be abandoned. So we see all of these things, but what does he think? We're going to see a lot of that today as we look at Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 46. And one lesson I want us to see is the power of prayer over pride. Prayer over pride. And we see that really with a contrast between Jesus and the disciple, the apostle Peter. uh, Because we see both of these men are going to be tested. Uh, Both of them are going to be tried this night. Jesus, is he really going to go through with this? And then Peter, he is going to be asked and accused of being an associate of Christ. And we already know one of them is going to succeed, Jesus, and one of them is going to fail spectacularly, Peter. But what were their attitudes before that happened? And we see, we see Peter with this brash confidence, even when Jesus tells him that he is going to be tested, Peter says, "Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Mm, I mean pumped up like that's what he is saying, but Jesus, on the other hand, what we see is he's he's praying, and he goes to the base of the Mount of Olives there. They go to the, what we know as the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying earnestly. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground, and he is pouring out his heart to his Father. And we see that the one who is so confident that he would pass the test and is sleeping, he fails. The one who is pouring out his heart, even though he was God in the flesh, he succeeds. And may that be a lesson to us that we need to not have any pride in our lives, especially even when it comes toward temptation. As it says elsewhere in scripture, if you think that you stand, take heed lest you fall. We need to watch ourselves carefully. And that's even look at the words of Jesus's specific rebuke there at the end of verse 46. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That's what Jesus there is saying to his disciples. You need to pray specifically so that you won't enter into temptation. So we start a weekend now. What's your attitude towards temptation? Ah, I got this. Or is it I need help and I am going to pour out my heart to God. These are important things for us to think through. Another powerful lesson, we'll spend most of our time thinking about Jesus's example here in Luke today, is earlier on, here they are. You think of the timing of this, right? Here they are, Jesus is about to be betrayed, he's about to be abandoned, he's about to be crucified, and the disciples are arguing which one of them was the greatest. Um, You want to talk about maybe some low emotional IQ right I mean the disciples seem to have that in spades and Jesus rebukes them and says you guys are thinking of this all wrong the gentiles they want to be the greatest and they want to have the authority but verse 26 but not so with you rather let the greatest among you become as the servant and the leader as one who serves for who is the greater the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves is it not The one who reclines at table, but I am among you as the one who serves. And that obviously is a little bit of foreshadowing of what we're going to see in John when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And he tells them, no, the path towards greatness isn't towards authority and bossing people around, it's towards serving others. And this provides a good opportunity, as I think we've done before, as we go through this passage to think through what are the areas in your life where maybe there's some part of you that is aspiring towards greatness. Maybe that's your work. Maybe there's some things in your home. Uh, Maybe there's some other spheres of influence in your life where you have influence. And and you need to examine yourself. Are you seeking to just use that to be great and to have privilege and, and, and service of others? Or are you seeking to serve others? maybe spend some time thinking of some specific areas in your life. For many of you thinking through your home, how can I be the servant in my home instead of just wanting to be the greatest? How can I be the servant in my small group at church? Or am I just wanting to be the greatest? And that we want to model the thinking of Jesus Christ that we see in this passage. Now we want to transition to the book of Hebrews where we are still talking about this theme of Jesus being better. And today we're seeing kind of a pivot of we're talking about Jesus being a better priest than the high priests they had known. And really we're going to see today kind of linking he's a better priest of a better Covenant. And I love how the chapter starts, because you might be saying, man, all this stuff about Melchizedek, what what's the point? Well, chapter 8 says, now the point in what we are saying is this. So hey, if you've been asking what's the point, let me answer your question. And he says, We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant that he mediates is better since it, since it is enacted on better promises. And that's where the rest of the chapter then is going to talk about this new covenant. And again, this matters to us because we're talking about our sins And we need a better priest. We need a better covenant. And these are all found through Jesus and through what he has done for us. And that should obviously affect us and how we feel. Uh, And that brings me to Psalm 111, which we read today, which says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright in the congregation, great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. In some ways, I think that ties in perfectly what we're doing with Hebrews. We are studying the works of the Lord. And we're studying things that they they couldn't see from Psalms because we get to look back on Jesus and what he has done. We're remembering the work that Christ did as our great high priest. We're remembering the work that Christ has done through enacting this new and better covenant. So as we think through the great things that God has done, and we see that kind of as a theme through Psalm, we also sing about that as a church, that our God has done great things. Well, the greatest thing is what he has done through Jesus Christ. And we should, as the Psalm says, give thanks to the Lord with our whole hearts. May we truly be wholehearted in our praise for God today. Now, in Isaiah, we're kind of wrapping up a section today. Remember, we we talked about how it's kind of a Bible in miniature, how uh, the first 39 chapters are a little more focused on judgment, maybe remind us of the Old Testament, then the next 27 chapters are a little more focused on salvation, maybe reminding us of the New Testament. Well, today we're kind of getting to the bridge between the two. We kind of end the, the prophetic portion here in that first part of... Isaiah, And still we see words of judgment, but also in chapter 35, we see words of salvation. And then as we get into chapters 36 through 39, we see a historical interlude where we kind of get out of what even looks in our English Bibles set apart like poetry into more just history and prose. And this is a story with Sennacherib and King Hezekiah that we've come across previously in the Old Testament. So it should be very familiar. And what we see today is that intimidating Rabshakeh trying to talk smack um, before the people, threatening the people, trying to intimidate the people. But we will see starting tomorrow, really, how God intervenes and helps and how Hezekiah especially looks to God. That's what we're going to see starting tomorrow. Hezekiah seeking help. We're going to see him praying, which again is just another reminder. We, we see the Rabshakeh as an example of pride. And ultimately, we're going to see Hezekiah as an example of prayer. And that reminds us of what we saw in Luke 22 on the last night of Jesus's life. We see the power of prayer over the sin of pride as we see Jesus praying, being dependent on his father, as opposed to Peter's example of being self-confident and ultimately failing. May we follow the example of our Lord and Savior this weekend.